This is Arno Garan, author of The Answer, How to Change Your Life and Make Your Dreams Come True. You're listening to My Quest for the Best with Bill Ringel. Have you ever wondered what some aspect of your life or business would be like if you did not have limiting beliefs in that area that prevented you from losing that stubborn 10 pounds, earning twice as much next month as you did last month, or hiring that next key team player who could really move the needle in your business rather than settling for one of the unexciting resumes that landed in your inbox? That's what my next guest explains as he describes his own personal journey from hardship to happiness. Be sure to listen in when he describes cultivating a quiet mind because it's more important than you might initially think. I'm so glad you're here. Hi, this is Bill Ringle, host of My Quest for the Best, where ambitious small business leaders discover strategies and tactics to unlock their growth potential. Joining me today is Arno Goran. So Arno is writing the soon-to-be-released book, The Answer, How to Change Your Life to Make Your Dreams Come True. Welcome, Arno. Thank you, Bill. Thank you so much. Arno, when you were growing up, who was a person who inspired or influenced you? I would have to say my grandfather, my grandpa Harry. He always demonstrated this desire to be of service to others and to help people. He would literally walk around the neighborhood every morning and find things to fix or people to help, and it was just part of who he was. And when I saw that modeling of behavior, it really sunk in for me. It was a big part of you know what drove me to become who I am. And what led you to to write the book, The Answer? Well. I've faced a lot of challenges in my life. Both my parents are deaf, and they had a terrible crack cocaine addiction throughout virtually my whole childhood. And I struggled to become successful in my life. And I read book after book after book and took course after course after course. And I was really seeking the answer to how to manifest or create or achieve the goals I wanted in spite of all the emotional trauma that I was carrying with me. And when I figured out how to do that, I saw that in teaching other people, they also were able to change their life. And I just, I couldn't find this specific knowledge anywhere else, so I had to put it in a book and share it with people. What was an early experience you had as you were doing this research that let you know that you were able to make progress on it in a way that was unique? Well, when I figured out the seven steps to reprogramming yourself. It happened in very much a a miracle. And when I woke up the next day having a huge emotional weight completely eradicated, I knew exactly what I had. I knew that I could erase the unconscious repeating programming that was ruining my life. And I was so excited that I began really living a new life full of excitement knowing that I had found the key or the secret to changing my life. What is it that you were able to do that let you know that it really was eliminated and it wasn't just a temporary fix for you when you first came up with this method. If you take a specific incident in your life, a specific thought of, of a memory, it can be something very recent that charges your body with emotion when you think about it. Like, for example, if you think about your business and you feel anger, if we erase the anger, the next day when you think about your business, if it's still there, then it's still there. But if it's not, it's not. It's that simple. It's very easy to verify if you've erased the programming or not. 
just by simply accessing the thing that used to bring up that old emotion. In my particular case, I was dealing with an intense sadness, and the next day it was gone and it never came back. You're describing like trying to access a file that's actually been deleted. It's no longer on a hard drive and now no longer accessible to bring up and access that the, the emotional content that it might contain, which would influence how you thought, felt, and acted about that situation in the present. Exactly. That is exactly it. Literally, we're going into the unconscious mind, into the file folders of certain areas of life, and deleting the belief systems that are in those file folders. And all of those belief systems are embedded or connected with huge amounts of emotion, depending on how intense your childhood was. And when you delete that and you put it in the trash and erase it forever so that the next day when you restart your computer, you go and look and see it's not there, it's not there. It's as simple as that. You can just go and look. Part of the issue is a lot of times people don't go searching for the painful memories, but they're constantly running in the background, which colors people's days and outlooks. But how do you respond when people say, gosh, I don't want to delete my memories of those people. I don't want to delete those experiences. That's a part of who I am. How do you help them sift through the, the wheat from the chaff? That is a great question, and actually there's two parts to that question. First of all, you don't have to remember anything that happened to you to use the seven steps through programming yourself to delete old programs. All you have to do is be able to feel the emotion that you're dealing with now, which means you're not going to delete the memory. You're going to delete the emotion and all the negative beliefs that got created during that trauma. So if someone had a, a big trauma around you know, kids picking on them and told them they'll never be successful, they don't have to remember that that's what happened. All they have to do is erase the feelings of, I don't know why, but I feel like I'll never be successful. And then if they ever do remember what happened, it's still there, but there's no more negative emotion there. All those old thoughts and feelings that used to limit them are gone. And here's the other side of the question. People say, but all that negative stuff, that's who I am. If I erase that, who will I be? That's the thing. It's not who you are. You're not the old fear, old anger, old sadness, old guilt, old shame, all that old stuff that you've been carrying around. That's not who you are. You are this powerful divine being that's trying to get out from underneath all that crap. And if you remove that stuff, the real you starts showing up. I think a lot of the business leaders listening to this program are saying themselves, I can relate to a lot of negative emotion I feel around particular people, especially when they do poorly in my organization. Mm -hmm. I, you know, say, for instance, that a CEO is listening to this and thinking, oh, well, there's this one of my managers performed really poorly and has been performing poorly. And every time I think of that person, it's hard to have a relaxed conversation because I'm kind of gritting my teeth over the ways that he's let me down, disappointed me, and frustrated me. Isn't that an opportunity to separate out the feeling from the relationship so that better work relations can occur? How would you help someone who is in a situation like that? First of all, we have to come from a different point of view in order to truly take the power and change our business. And the point of view that most people have is, what someone else did made me feel a certain way. But actually, we already had those feelings inside of us, and what they did just resurfaced or re-triggered in us something that we need to deal with for ourselves. And if we take our business as a mirror and we see all the things in our business that upset us as just an opportunity, like you said, to grow, then we can start looking inside and removing those things. If I were to take the anger I felt towards one of my employees for screwing up and erase that first, 
I will feel completely differently about them, about what they did, and then I will speak in a much more powerful, confident way, in an effective way that would make a difference, rather than coming from that anger, which will then only perpetuate the cycle. Until you release whatever it is that that person is triggering in you, you're going to keep replaying that cycle. Even if you fire that person and bring someone else in, somebody else in your business or in your life is still going to end up pushing that button eventually. It's kind of like if you have a shoe that fits right, but it doesn't feel right because there's a pebble in there, if you go and get a new shoe, it still probably won't fit right because the pebble is stuck to your foot. What you got to do is remove the pebble, and then the same shoe that you didn't like fits perfectly. Now, I'm not saying that in every situation with an employee that that person will still be the right fit for your company, but certainly the issue will be gone, and then you'll see them as they really are, and you'll make a better decision about whether they're in the right position and so on. There are people out there who can relate to what we're saying if they just recall a time when, with new information, it changed the way that they were viewing the whole conflict. Isn't that true with how negative emotions that are chronically there affect our judgment and our effectiveness? Absolutely. They're like glasses that we wear or like a, a window that we're seeing life through and right in front of us. And usually it's been there for so long that we don't even see it anymore. So we can be angry and see red, and that's all we see is the interpretation of life through the anger, and we don't really see life itself. And yet we don't usually realize that. We usually think that what we're seeing is actually true, and we're just seeing a distortion of reality. And if we could release our anger, Anger, we would then see reality as it is. And of course, we will act in a better way. And we won't appear a little bit crazy to other people because we won't be allowing that old emotion to run us and to control us. Would it be helpful to describe the seven steps to give us an overview of how it works and maybe an insight into one or two of them? Absolutely. If you think of your mind like a computer, because it is very similar actually in its design, the seven steps is the basic manual for how to access programs on the computer and delete ones you don't want and then make sure they're permanent and put new programs in their place. It's like that. So step one would be find the file folder that you want to work on. Step two, go inside the file folder and look at what's in there. Step three, delete all the files that you don't like. Step four says keep going till all of them are gone so that file folder no longer has any beliefs inside that you don't want. And then step five says, okay, now that you've erased everything, type in or write in or record in some new programming that is what you actually want your reality to be going forward. Step six says make sure you empty the trash and make it permanent, which is one of the big, big secrets that you'll understand when you take my training of how to do that. And then step seven says after you've restarted your computer, meaning the next day, go look in that file folder and just make sure you didn't miss anything. And as long as you got it all, your set move on to a different file folder. The description of them, of those steps, is very logical, and it's dealing with an emotional issue. How can a process that is so coherent, so easily described in seven steps, affect emotional issues that have been lingering and impacting people's lives for years or decades? That's a great question, and, and that's why kids and teenagers learn it more easily than adults, because if someone's been feeling the same emotional pain for 40 years or 60 years, then it's hard for them to believe that they can get rid of it in 20 minutes or an hour or five hours or five minutes, depending on the issue. And that sometimes can hold them back from being able to just make use of this simple process. It's just a matter of we didn't know how before. If something happened to you when you were a kid and it 
it had a negative emotional experience for you or negative emotional impact, it gets embedded inside of you because your unconscious mind is open to programming up until between the age of 8 and 13. Once you hit 8 to 13, a filter is formed that protects the unconscious and locks everything in the way that it is. 95% of people have this filter. 5% of people don't have this filter. So their unconscious mind is like when they were a little kid. The environment can easily change it. If they do affirmations and they think positive, it works for them. That's why you have these these thought leaders saying, oh, all you have to do is listen to your thoughts and then cancel them and put new ones in. That doesn't work for 95% of people. It only works for the 5% that don't have a filter, and they're obviously one of those people. And those 5% are always the 5% that are the most successful. If you can actually finally, for the first time in your life, whether you're 14 or 40 or 104, go past the filter and actually get into your unconscious mind, literally for the first time in your life, and remove things, well, then they'll be gone. And it might be hard to believe that if you suffered for so long, but the reality reality is you were suffering from ignorance. No one ever showed you how to do it before. So I think the question that many people would be thinking at this point is, is if you could define what a belief is in your system and how it interacts with the thoughts and emotions, which I think are pretty easily understood, but how do you differentiate a belief from thoughts and emotions. Let's distinguish conscious beliefs and unconscious programming, because they're not the same thing. Conscious beliefs are what you choose to believe. It's what you choose to think is true about reality or about life. That's different than an unconscious program, which is a thought that keeps replaying in your mind all the time. Uh, Dr. Judith Orloff says you think 60,000 thoughts every day. That's more than 2,000 every hour, including when you're asleep. Dr. David Judd says the problem is not that you have a lot of thoughts. It's that you keep thinking the same thoughts every day. So they're just a repeating loop of thoughts, and every single thought creates biochemicals in our brain that we call emotion. That's a fact I learned at the University of Washington anatomy and physiology class. So every day, all the time, constantly, your mind is replaying the programmed in thoughts from your life and creating emotion in your body until the emotion builds up enough that you experience that, those feelings again and again and again. And those aren't really chosen beliefs consciously. Those are file folders full of crap. There's stuff in there, and some of it's good, by the way, depending on how you grew up, but there's stuff that you don't like in there. And those aren't beliefs that you have. Those are programs embedded into the unconscious mind. Those need to be sorted through and deleted until all you've gotten there is what you want. And then what happens is your conscious mind and your unconscious mind get on the same page. You, what you choose to believe about success, about money, about who you are, can finally align with the programming that's inside of you. And when that happens, the pathway to manifesting what you desire is fully open and clear. And all that resistance you were facing, all those walls you kept running into, they're gone. Because that's where they were. They were stuck in that programming. The phrase that keeps coming to me is, is just hashtag upgrade your personal playlist. If, if those thoughts are running through our minds at 60,000 thoughts a day, we've got to put on things that we really enjoy, that nurture us, that support us, that give us the, the courage and boldness to create the life and business that we really can envision rather than ones that we've been told we have to settle for. Absolutely. Absolutely. And a lot of us, we've, we've struggled to overcome that stuff. We've, we've carried the backpack of emotional bricks and all those negative programs with us and succeeded in spite of it. And sometimes we hit walls where we just can't get past certain levels in our business because that stuff is just too big to consciously override. And sometimes you can't ever unconsciously or consciously override some of these old issues. And if you start going through and like you say, hashtag up, upgrade my playlist, and I've often referred to it as a very long playlist of songs, but there's thoughts. If you start doing that, you'll start to see your 
reality around you shifting automatically, and it becomes effortless because you don't have to keep using your willpower to overcome and overcome and overcome your past. Give an example of, of someone who you've worked with that was bumping up against some sort of external limitation and was able to use the seven steps that you designed in order to not overcome it anymore, but simply absence it from their life. I'll tell you one story that comes to mind first. It's from Jennifer Powdermaker. She wanted to write a book, and she had worked for 20 years to write books, and she had started many books, but she never made it past two-thirds of the book. She'd always write until she got to two-thirds of the way being done, and then she would just get stuck. And she didn't know why she couldn't get herself back to finishing the book. And so we used the seven steps to erase what was unconsciously blocking her from finishing her book. And after that, which I don't know how long it took her because she did it on her own because you can learn the seven steps and do it on your own. But in between our, our teleconferences, she did it, and then she came back and told us that within 30 days she published, not just finished writing, she wrote and published two books in 30 days after 20 years of not being able to do it. Well, that's got to be a huge sense of accomplishment and relief to actually have that to go past where you're able to previously go before. Absolutely, because you feel so disempowered when you've try, you're trying to accomplish something, and for some reason the, the world just isn't aligning, the universe isn't aligning, and or you can't get yourself to do it in her case, and you finally break through, and then it it becomes easy for you all of a sudden. Your sense of personal power upgrades massively. I believe that when you accomplish something that's a breakthrough in one area of your life, ripples through other areas of your life, and you're now emboldened to take actions that you haven't taken before in other areas. In two different ways. In one way, because you consciously realize how powerful you are and what you can do, and your confidence is stronger, and you think, well, if I could, if I could you know, be the success in my business, maybe I can go lose weight too. But in another way, some of the unconscious programs that we remove actually relate to many areas, especially if they're I am statements. If you go into your unconscious mind and you erase all these statements like I'm not successful, I'm a loser, I'll, I'll never make it in life, and all those things that have I am statements in them, if you remove those, it doesn't just affect your business and your, your finances and your career accomplishments. It affects your whole life because now all of a sudden you feel that you're successful in exercising or in eating healthy or in your love life or in your family life or even in being a good parent or really anything. So I imagine that there are people who are listening to this who are saying to themselves, well, that's for others. I don't have those kinds of beliefs running through my mind. What do you talk about? How do you help people who are in denial over having these or just out of touch? Because I think it's almost a part of our culture growing up that we're going to have certain of these negative or limiting belief systems embedded in our unconscious. How do we get in touch with those if it's not easily found or dairy for people to do? That is so good because so many people do have that feeling of, you know, the way for me to be successful is just to not have issues. I'm just going to think positive and I don't have any problems. I feel awesome. And that does work for a while. The problem is that your unconscious thoughts keep playing and they just keep going and going and those negative emotions keep coming up and you just keep not noticing them, which isn't actually a good thing. It's a survival mechanism that works until you realize it doesn't and that you need to find those negative emotions and, and those repeating negative thoughts and remove them if you want to be the most successful person that you can. I had a, a client named Jim Sweet who was uh, 72 when I met him. He was retired from an executive at Procter & Gamble. That's a retired executive from Procter and Gamble, and he said, "I don't want to learn how to do this because I don't have any negative emotions to clear." And I said, "Okay, well, I'm glad you signed up for the course anyway." And during the course, he just stood up and ran out of the room, crying. 
and he came back and told the whole audience that when he was eight, some bullies took his his ball on the playground at school, and his he went home crying, and his dad told him, stop, stop crying, stop, don't show emotion, be strong. When you go to school the next day, just take the ball back and don't say anything, otherwise they're going to think you're weak. And so he actually never felt any of his emotions his entire life until that day when he was in his 70s. And then this huge floodgate burst open of all this stuff to work on. Now, you might be thinking, yeah, well, that's Jim, but that's not me. Well, let me ask you, the listener, some questions that will absolutely for sure trigger some stuff that's in your way of being successful. First of all, when you think about your bank account, how do you feel? That may or may not trigger you, but for a lot of people it does. When you think about your business, how do you feel? That may or may not trigger you. But here's something that always gets everybody. What is the goal that you have right now, maybe your number one goal? How does it make you feel that you haven't accomplished it yet? How does it make you feel that you haven't yet accomplished your number one goal? Whatever the emotion is that you feel, frustrated, angry, sad, that is actually old programming in your unconscious mind blocking you from achieving that goal. That's why you haven't achieved the goal yet, because of that. And if we remove that, then everything will start lining up for you to achieve that goal. Obviously, you'll have to take actions, but there'll be inspired actions with synchronicity backing you. You probably have issues somewhere to work on, and all you have to do is ask yourself, how does it make me feel I haven't already achieved my goal in that area of life? And you're going to find what's in your way. Well, that is a lot of food for thought. And I hope that people take time to digest it. If they are hearing this and thinking to themselves, this is something I've got to really pursue later, do you find that journaling works as a way to help people start to get in touch and learn more about the internal life and internal thoughts that are going on that may be invisible and outside of awareness for much of the day? That's a really good question. How do we get in touch with what's going on on the inside, especially if we're very well-trained not to feel our feelings, which many of us are. It's part of our culture, as you said. Journaling certainly could help because you're going to go inside and see what wants to come out. Also, learning how to quiet your mind so that your mind isn't spinning all day long and you can actually hear what you're thinking and you can be present to your body. Another thing I would recommend doing is going down from inside your head into your body and actually feeling what it feels like to be in your body. Because a lot of high-powered executives and successful business owners and CEOs stay out of their body as a survival mechanism. So they don't feel their emotions because they're not even in their body. They're always in their head or floating above thinking about everything and what to do. But if you actually go inside your body, you might find it hurts in there. And that's why you don't go in there. And that's where all the programming is, too. It's actually in your whole body, not just in your brain. It's in your body. The cells of your body contain your mind. So I would do those three things. Yes, journaling. Yes, learning how to quiet your mind. But also try going into your body and seeing what it feels like in there throughout the day and see if you can stay there all day long, staying present fully. So I think people can relate to journaling and taking something and actually writing it out with pen and paper. I think quieting your mind and getting down to your body deserve a little bit more explanation. Imagine just guiding someone to do something either with their breathing or how they're sitting or where they're focused with their eyes. Help us get a sense of what it would be like to introduce this as a, a daily practice in order to become more aware of the internal programming in the pursuit of clearing away the negative programming. Hmm. Well, it's something to learn. I actually teach how to acquire the mind in one of my workshops. It's called Causing Peace. And... Ultimately, what you're doing, like you said, is you're focusing on your breath and you're focusing on something else, like counting or something, something that has no beginning and no end so that your mind just begins to slowly vent and dump all the things that it's been wanting to think about. And day by day, 
you know, 20 minute by 20 minute session or hour by hour, an hour a day is actually ideal. Your mind will get quieter and quieter and quieter and quieter. And you might think, yeah, well, that's not for me. But Huffington Post just published an article that this is the number one secret of success in life. And they listed all these people who said that the CEO of Ford Motors, Russell Simmons, and even the editor of Huffington Post said that quieting the mind was one of her big secrets to being successful. And if you don't know about sports, it's actually one of the biggest secrets in sports success. Uh, Phil Jackson, who I think is the greatest coach of all time, he has 11 championships in basketball, coached the greatest player of all time, Michael Jordan. He would have the players quiet their mind at every practice. And there was an article in the LA Times about how the players didn't like it and they they didn't maybe understand that this was the secret of being able to access playing in the zone in sports, but it's also how to play in the zone in business and be in that alpha state, that that state where you're present and at your best all day long. And that's why. But it also allows you to be present and hear your thoughts and feel your feelings. With regards to feeling in your body, if you've never done it, then you're right. It might be something that we need to teach a little bit more. So what I would recommend you do is sitting right where you are, even if you're driving, it's okay because you can drive and do this. Feel into your pinky toe on your left foot. What does it feel like down there? Wiggle your toe a little bit just so you know you're there. Put your conscious attention on your left pinky toe. What does it feel like? Does it hurt? Does it feel comfortable? Try moving your attention to your left knee. What does your left knee feel like? Hopefully it feels really awesome and strong and powerful. What does it feel like in your tummy? Put your attention into your tummy. Take a deep breath right in there. How does it feel? Put your attention in the center of your chest where the emotional heart is. What does it feel like in there? Do you feel stress? Do you feel peace? Do you feel joy? What do you feel? Put your attention in your mouth. What does it feel like in there? Put your attention in your right foot. And now you're actually feeling inside your body. Now try to feel your whole body at once. How does that feel? Now as you're feeling your whole body at once, how does it feel when you think about the fact that you haven't created your number one goal in life yet? Did you feel a twinge of in your solar plexus? Well, that's what I'm talking about. That's where the unconscious programming is being held in your body. Arno, are you ready for our lightning round? Let's do it. What are the key components of your routine for daily success? Every single morning, I wake up and I pray. I visualize my dreams. I give gratitude for that that I already have. And I always start my morning that way unless there's some kind of crazy day happening because that's how I get myself ready and set to start the day. And I have a whole bunch of other things I do that are a little bit more advanced than I could share in a in a, uh, a show like this. I mean, it takes hours to explain, but I do um, different forms of energy work to get myself ready to be the most extraordinary person I can be throughout the day. And I always check to see if there's something for me to clear that I haven't cleared yet so that I am fully ready. What's the book that you've given the most as a gift in the last year? <laughs> Such a good question. <laughs> and all these different books come to mind at once, all of which I love. Uh, you know, ironically, it's it's my recipe book, and I I know I my love is to teach people how to reprogram their unconscious mind. But there's so many people that once they take my first course, that want to then learn about how to make healthy food, and they keep asking for my recipe book. So. That comes up. And then one of my friends does a medical modality called biomagnetism, and I often give his self-help, do-it-yourself-at-home program away. So those are a couple of the books I like giving away. What's his full name? Is it a book on Amazon? Uh, Yeah, it's, uh, geez, he has six different books. And the self-help kit, I think if you look up medical biomagnetism and then look up his name, Moses Durazo, 
you'll find all of his books on Amazon. And one of the books comes with a 10 magnet kit where you can use it at home. It's amazing because you can use it for boosting your immune system. You can use it for pain. You can use it for overall well-being. And if, if you're a high-powered business person, you might deal with getting run down sometimes and you feel a cold coming on. And that's where this really comes in is then you do the immune booster magnet set and then that cold will not come on and you can continue to be super productive. What's a tool or system you use for staying on track and productive? I always keep a Word doc on my computer with a list of everything that I would like to do, all of my actions for my whole life, and all the ones I plan on doing today. And at the end of the day, I reevaluate and plan for the next day. Here's what I'm going to do tomorrow. But I still wake up every day and ask the universe what I should do that day, and I often don't do anything on my list because I'll be guided to do something else. So I live each day always with intuition being my guide, but I have structures in place. I don't have to try to remember all the things I have to do. Of course, I also use my phone calendar, and I set reminders and alarms to keep me on track and always remember everything that I promise by putting it in my calendar or in in that list of things that I said I would do. What's the most significant thing that you've jettisoned from your life that's caused the most happiness for you in the last year. And when I say jettison this thing, it could be a habit. It could be something that was worn out that just wasn't serving you anymore. It could even be a relationship. The, the things that I've jettisoned from my life that brought me the most happiness are unconscious programs, just like what we've been talking about. I'm still working on my giant pile of stuff. I mean, if, if you grew up the way I grew up, your unconscious mind might end up looking like a toxic waste dump. And when you get in there and start trying to clean it up, you need super powerful tools to get through there. And even this year, I released some really huge, huge issues that have made me a lot lighter, a lot happier, a lot more confident, a lot more successful. I had the most successful year of my life this year. And I would say it's definitely because I've continued to do that inner work. And what's the best advice you've ever received? I think the best advice, ironically, came from my dad, which was that education is the most important thing, that you need to continue your education. And I was really shocked when I was in college getting my bachelor's to have other students who, in our senior year say, I can't wait for school to be over so I could stop studying. And I, I would just be flabbergasted. What do you mean, stop studying? I can't wait for school to be over so I can start studying all the other more interesting stuff I want to study because there's so much to learn. And continuing to study and learn is the secret of being successful. The only reason why I'm not struggling and, and in poverty is because I learned all these things that I've been sharing with you. This is how I did it. And it's because I never gave up. I used to listen to a cassette tape or a CD in my car of some education everywhere I went all the time. You could not find me without a book in my hand or a book in my back. I was always, always studying. And I think that continuing your ongoing study is the one of the biggest secrets of success, and that was probably the best advice I got. Well, I know you have shared so many great ideas on my quest for the best. I want to thank you so much for talking with us about the importance of having a good point of view, for helping make differentiations and distinctions between thoughts, emotions, and beliefs, going into details about the importance of upgrading your personal playlist, and talking about the impact that it has to release all of this past programming that's no longer serving us in the present. So I want to thank you so much for joining me on my quest for the best. Thank you, Bill. I really appreciate you having me on. Hi, this is Bill. Before you go, I just want to ask you a quick favor. If you've enjoyed this interview on my quest for the best, I'd love it if you'd go to iTunes, look up my quest for the best and subscribe. 
I want to make sure you don't miss the very next episode we have coming up. We've got a lineup of terrific guests, and I know that if you enjoyed this one, you'll like what you find coming up soon. Also, feel free to give it a comment, a like, because we work hard to put these interviews together, and I appreciate making sure that we're reaching you and serving you in the, the best way possible. I look forward to reading your comments and catch you on the next interview. Thanks so much.